1: And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Here on Earth, we call this place town. A town is a place where everyone hates you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I think uh, I've been looking it over. There's not a huge amount to go over today. There were some people who are trying to put me in a bad mood, but I'm, I'm not going to go down that path. We, we're going we're gonna to keep it concise. We've got a couple things I want to talk about. We're going to talk about it. We're going to call it a day. I don't want to force things just for the sake of forcing things. You know, We've got a long off-season to go over stuff. I want to start off with something. Um, I mentioned PFF has added some new stats and whatnot, and one of the things that isn't necessarily new, or at least it was new but we talked about it already, was the fact that they added in the the man in the zone stuff for DBs as well as wide receivers from the opposite end of things, obviously. the one of the things they didn't have right, though... Was the grades for uh, man and the grades for zone? So, for example, Devonte Adams, they had the exact same grades and stats on both columns or whatever you want to call it. They've since corrected that. So, not only can we look at that, but we can then look at Mr. Amari Rogers and say, okay, how does he fit in with this? So, first of all, obviously Devontae Adams is by far the best receiver we have against man. Um, however, he's also the best guy we have against zone. In fact. Nobody has a 70 or higher grade in either column outside of Devontae Adams. Nobody. The highest grade anybody has outside of Devontae Adams in either man or zone is Alan Lazard and zone coverage had a 67.8 overall receiving grade. Now, it's just receiving grade, so it, it kind of factors out all the blocking and everything else. It's just how good of a receiver were you in each of these separate categories. Now, as a team, and this is very similar to what you'll find with DBs and man versus zone, Um, man is harder. Same for defense as it is for for offense. It's harder for receivers to beat man coverage. So why don't defenses run more man coverage? Because it's harder to play man coverage for defenders also. That's why when you have not only corners that can play man, but wide receivers that can play man, they're unbelievably valuable. So Devontae Adams had a 79.2 receiving grade in zone and a 95 overall receiving grade in man. It shouldn't surprise us all that much, even though it is a little surprising that it's that disparate. I would have thought it was very similar, Um, just because, again, man is so hard to beat, even though he's really good at it. But that's unbelievable. And yes, for those wondering, we have the number one wide receiver in man coverage, even if we don't even use filters. Guys that had like one target and got lucky and had one reception against man coverage, Devante's still number one. If we look at the top um receivers in man coverage, which again is a, a special talent. It's it's you know great route running, real good off the block, strong. I mean, it's just it's tough to do. But Devontae's number one, Justin Jefferson, the rookie, is number two, AJ Brown out of Tennessee is three, Stephon Diggs four, Adam Thielen five. I guess if we continue, Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins tied for six, Will Fuller, eight, DK Metcalf nine, Tyler Boyd, ten. So these are very good wide receivers in general. This is also just interesting information because um, if you look at the top guy in zone, and this is real interesting to me, and it'll be something to keep an eye on as we go through the season and look at free agents and those kinds of things, the number one zone guy is Julio Jones. Now, that's not super surprising because you just expect the best guys to be in these categories, but the the surprising thing is he had a 91 overall receiving grade in zone, 65.4 in man. Now, I'm guessing Julio has been a pretty solid receiver in man at one point in his career. I don't know that. Maybe he hasn't. But I'm kind of surprised to see that, um, you know, in my mind, man versus man is about physicality. Not to say that, I mean, both require both. But in my mind, you're a physical athlete if you can play man. You're very cerebral by the time you're, you're playing, you're picking apart zone defenses. So it just reminds me sort of what I used to talk about when our current outside linebacker coach was with the Chiefs. And I told you many times the story about their outside linebackers. For example, Justin Houston, who was a very, very talented football player in his younger days who just won by athleticism. And he said, this guy kind of taught me, you know, when you get older, you can't just beat everybody and out-athlete everybody because you're getting older. And you got young guys that are coming in that are younger, stronger, faster than you are, and you can't just be sloppy with your technique and win, so you got to learn to be smarter than they are. And he just dominated. And so I guess I'm just kind of curious of maybe Julio's kind of going down that path where obviously an absolute physical freak, size, speed, the whole package, but to see now where the man defense isn't, the man to the man is, is not really where he thrives. But he's number one in zone. I just find that kind of interesting. Anyways, Julio Jones number one, Cole Beasley number two, then Jarvis Landry, Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, Michael Thomas, Kenny Galladay, and DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Cleveland. So Hopkins and Jefferson are the only two that are in both categories. Now all of them graded out fairly well. Um, Tyree Cleveland is he doesn't even really belong in here because he didn't play all that much. Brandon Ayuk would be the other one if we removed uh, Tyree Cleveland. But the only two that graded out poorly in man that that did well in zone would be Jarvis Landry and Julio Jones. Guys that were solid in man but not great in zone. Um Tyler Boyd is really the only one. He was 10th on this list. Again, because typically, you know, more wide receivers are solid against zone than against man. Anyway, so that's that's a little bit of background. But I'm actually more interested in and and the problem with this is that you, you don't get the grades and whatnot. You just get the stats for college. And so, again, the, the stats are concrete and the grades are subjective, but they do a different job to where they're more – the grades tell more of a story, whereas the numbers are just numbers. And you have to read into the numbers things that aren't necessarily there, right? Um, MVS leads the league in yards per reception. What does that tell you? Well, it could mean a couple different things. We don't exactly know. We can make stuff up, but we don't exactly know. Grades kind of tell a story, but they're also a lot more subjective. In other words, they're not as concrete. A sack is a sack. A reception is a reception. A touchdown is a touchdown. You know, if if I, if if me, you, and PFF kind of split off and we all decided we were going to start our own company grading things, we would all have slightly different scales on, on you know, do you do a one-point, a two-point, a five-point, a ten-point scale? What's a positive? What's a negative? How positive? How negative? It, 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 again, it's a little subjective, but I still like to have it because... Again, the stats don't really give me a full story, but let's look at it anyways. Obviously, because you're going to be playing a lot more zone than man, they had less opportunities in man coverage. Of the three uh, wide receivers for Clemson, Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, and EJ Williams, they had, at most, 22 targets, and that's Cornell Powell, in man coverage. He had 54 targets in zone. Amari Rogers had 16 targets in man and 77 while playing against zone defense. Now, I don't honestly really care. You love to have a guy that can play man def- uh, man defense and, and win, because that's a special s- skill set. At, at, on the same token, you're going to be playing more zone defenses than man defenses. So if I had to pick, we got Devontae who's going to kill man defense. I don't know that I would hate it if this guy is just a zone killer. But again, on, on the other token... You got two guys that can win in man, defenses are going to have a near impossible task, especially since, again, most defenses can't play man-to-man very well, if at all. And even if you got one guy, like the Packers got Jair, and then they can maybe do zone in other places or whatever the case may be, this kind of kills that. Anyway, I'm just saying. The good news is, despite not having a huge amount of information, he does pretty well. Of his 16 targets, he caught 11 passes, which is nearly 70% reception rate for 200 yards, which is 18.1 yards per reception and three touchdowns. That's pretty massive. That's nearly one in four receptions was a touchdown against man coverage, and 18.1 yards per reception. That's unbelievable. In zone coverage, he was at 80.5 reception percentage, which is just through the roof, 62 of 77, for 801 yards, 12.9 yards per reception, which is still extremely high, but obviously nowhere near 18.1. And again, three touchdowns. And and if I had to speculate, and again, the stats don't really tell a story, but I'm going to tell one anyways. I think if you can get, get a guy that can really win in man coverage, you can see these kind of numbers. Because in zone defense, I, I feel like, you, let's say you pick apart the open part in the zone. That's great. You get a reception. But then what happens? Generally speaking, you're going to come down. The defense has their back to the end zone. They're staring forward and keeping everything in front of them. If you can slide in that little hole in the zone and catch a pass, somebody's going to come up and pop you. They probably saw the arm get cocked. They saw the ball come out. They start running in that direction. And by the time you catch it, you're going down. Now, if you're manned up and you're a talented receiver, that's a good route runner or a really fast receiver or whatever the case may be, and you get behind the guy, that's when you have more opportunities. And obviously you're going to have other guys that are still in zone, maybe the safeties are, whatever the case may be. But I think you have a better chance, a better opportunity of just breaking it wide open. But the encouraging thing here for me is that, you know, th- this team has had a hard, hard time trying to win in man coverage. That is until Devontae really started to develop. And that's when we were able to take that next step. But it's just Devontae. That's not to say once in a while other guys can't do stuff. But largely, it's just Devontae. And again, I don't really care. If he goes into the, the pros and is just a guy that just dominates in zone, maybe isn't quite as good in man, it might not be my number one preference, but that's still awesome because we don't have that guy either. But I think more so the fact that he really does do a good job in man coverage, and again, I wish I had the grades, but I don't, but it's definitely not slowing him down, and that's awesome. In fact, it's, it's hard to draw up a scenario based on the, the information that we have and not conclude that he actually does better in man which makes sense. He's quick. He's slippery. You try to put one guy on him. It just seems like that would be Amari Rogers dream come true. So we haven't actually spent a huge amount of time, thanks to the Aaron Rodgers nonsense, talking about the draft class. And I'm hoping to kind of hone in on that a little bit more doing little tidbits here and there, but I am, I am unbelievably excited to see what Amari Rogers brings to the table. Um, largely because I think he has a role on the team and a lot of these guys do too, but, but it's kind of like I said with the first round pick. I, I I think they really, really like Eric Stokes. And I think it, they would love it if he just comes out and he's dominant day one and he's out there week one. But I, I if I had to put money down, I would say he's not going to be playing much, if at all, week one. And again, people are going to riot. They're going to say, see, Gutekunst is trash. He doesn't know how to draft, blah, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with it. It really just has to do with the Packers are very, very, very adamant that guys have to know what they're doing, and he's not going to really know what he's doing. That could be wrong. Maybe he's out there, but, uh, you know, I would think Kevin King gets the nod week one. Maybe he comes out once in a while, but it'll be more like what we saw with A.J. Dillon. He's a very good football player. He's ready to go. In some cases, he was better than the other running backs on the field. He still sat on the bench, not because he wasn't good, but because he's not as ready. Now, Amari Rodgers, on the other hand, even though we have other guys who understand what they're doing, there's other roles. We don't really have a true slot guy. We don't really have that sort of Tavon Austin-y, motion-y role. So even if it's just kind of a gadgety kind of guy at first, slash special teams, he's still got a role. And we're still going to get an opportunity to see him. And then hopefully, as time goes on, that role starts to expand more and more to the point where having him off the field is ludicrous and a liability. That's my hope. But it just it gets me excited, and, and similar with our second-round pick, I think he's going to be out there probably day one. And really, I mean, it, it, that's part of what makes it the most exciting. The most exciting thing about this draft is you can see a role for everybody. It maybe wasn't everybody's favorite. You know, I wish we'd have got a first-round wide receiver. I wish we would have gotten, you know, a tackle early. I wish blah, 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 blah. But you can really see a role. Even guys like Royce Newman, you, you know they're going to get a real opportunity to compete. And worst case scenario, some of these guys that we like are going to be depth. And they're probably going to be really talented depth. They're going to be those guys that you're maybe not super excited about as starters. But as far as backups go, I mean, they could probably start on some teams that are just really bad on the, along the offensive line. And I love that we're getting back to that. Not just a really solid starting offensive line, but the kind of depth where if anybody goes down, not that you're excited about it, but you know you can survive it. Uh, TJ Slayton, he's a rotational guy. Kenny Clark was a rotational guy when he got to Green Bay. He didn't play very much, and then by the time the playoffs rolled around, he was the number two defensive tackle. Next year around, obviously, he's number one man. I'm not saying TJ's on that track. I don't think he will be, but I am excited about having a guy, especially with, uh, you know, 6'4", 330. He has a very defined role as a run defender. So just the fact that my expectations are a little bit lower is kind of nice. He's athletic where he's not a liability if they go hurry up on that... uh, you know, third and one, they get a first down, they go to hurry up. So TJ has to stay on the field. He's not a massive liability. Like I mentioned, he's got a, a, a pretty positive pass rush grade. And again, with the Packers and the kind of defense that I, I'm i theorizing, they may be running with a little bit more man coverage, which again, seems counterintuitive. It gives you the opportunity to really unleash your pass rusher. So yeah, TJ still on the field, but guess what? Everybody's still coming and we're bringing extra. We're bringing the you know, the five guys we have up front and a linebacker, just because I can. You want to play stupid games, let's play stupid games. You think you're safe because T.J. Slayton's on the field? What's going to happen when that 330-pounder doesn't get double-teamed? He's going to make your guard look stupid. Because now now you're in one-on-one man-to-man coverage, and even though he's not the fastest guy in the world, and your quarterback's going to be able to escape, he's going to start panicking when he sees your guard get thrown on his face. Shamar? I mean, you got to be excited about Shamar. He doesn't have to be a good football player, but he fits the role. He's very Jair-esque, and not just because of his stature, but because he's real sticky, he's real violent. I think he's going to fit in real well with that DB group. And again, there's not a lot of expectations. We got guys. If you can't play, you can't play. If we missed, we missed. We'll we'll be fine without you. But I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch, and I'm excited to see what he can do in the slot. Cole Van Lannen. Again, just another guy. If he ends up being a stud for the Packers, great. If not, you can be a backup until you're not a backup anymore. It's not going to kill us. And then Isaiah McDuffie, i got to go back and watch this guy again because, um, and again, my stream got cut short when we went through. We were watching it as the the draft was going on. I put highlights of Isaiah McDuffie, and they cut my stream. But I, I tell you what, I, I really like the guy, and I know you don't generally want to watch highlights. But, again, most of the time when I turn on highlights – of sixth round guys. And I do this a lot, actually, when I do my quote unquote scouting. I'm not a scout, so I don't pretend to be, but my own version of whatever scouting is, trying to find out if I like guys or not like guys. I will deliberately, when you're looking at later round guys or undrafted free agents, fifth, sixth, seventh round prospects, I'll routinely turn on highlights just because I need to see what you do at your best, because I'm not seeing Jack squat. And then I'll turn on those highlights and it's like, dude, these are not even good. I really liked what he was doing. Now, do I have high expectations for a uh, guy that got drafted this late at linebacker? No. The Packers have been really terrible at drafting linebackers, largely because of how late they've been picking them. They haven't put a lot of emphasis into it. But even though everything in me is saying this is just another one of those guys, and I don't want to be, you know, when everybody got all gaga about Ty Summers, I was like, dude, this guy's not even good. You guys are crazy. He's not gonna, And, And he wasn't. But there was a huge contingent of pro Ty Summers Packer fans. Not that I'm anti, but it's just like, what are you guys talking about? As much as I don't want to be that guy, I'm kind of kind of that guy with Isaiah McDuffie. And then finally, Kylan Hill. I mean, look, th- uh, there's never been a running back that the Packers have picked up that I didn't like, ever. And Kylan Hill fits right into that mold. I just like running back. And plus, I mean, you watch a highlight reel of a running back, you're going to see some good stuff. But the fun thing about it, and it's true of all positions, but I mean, you get a top running back for a top program like Mississippi State. He's a good football player, and um, I'm not surprised if he's our number three on day one. And, you know, there's routinely injuries. Aaron Jones is injured frequently, and even when they're not, they rotate pretty heavily. Not that I would expect Kylan, you know, if he was the number three to get a lot of of touches because of his lack of experience, but he'll get some. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm super pumped, and I, you know, assuming there's a preseason, which I don't want to assume anything, this is going to be one of the most fun preseasons ever, not just of this class, getting to see Stokes, getting to see Myers and Rogers and Newman and Slayton and Gene Charles and Van Lannan and McDuffie and Hill, but we get to watch last year's guys too, get to see a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon just ripping through a bunch of nobodies. And don't forget Jordan Love, which is, I don't even know, I don't even, I don't even want to get into that so much, but there's, it's, it's just, it's going to be so much fun. I, I didn't expect to talk about all this, but man, am I excited. I am so, if there's no preseason, I'm just going to start crying. I know preseason is stupid, but I want to watch these guys so bad. I want to see Eric Stokes get a pick. I want to see a Rodgers touchdown. I want to see a Rodgers to Rodgers touchdown. Yeah, I said it. I understand there's a whole thing going on. Just, I'm just saying stuff until we get information, all right? Find love to Rodgers. Who cares what it is? Might be love to Rodgers anyways, even if Rodgers is here. But anyways, we're going to be looking at some different stuff like that and trying to see maybe a little bit, a little bit more in depth about how these guys maybe fit with the Packers. And uh, if you have any specific questions about the guys we drafted, feel free to shoot them over. I can't promise that I will see it or respond to it, but I will do my best to make a note of it and uh, get to that question. Anyways, I'm very, very excited for our next segment. Even though I can't really call it a segment because I don't know how we're going to do this more often. But um, I've had so many people, and and it's again, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to get mad because it's been a relatively good day and I want to keep it that way. But some people are getting very, very hostile. And, and again, I just, I can't get behind the communication narrative. I mean, maybe I can a little bit. I I, I get it, right? And, and listen, I'll, I'll let me let me throw you this bone. When I heard about Mike McCarthy and the way that he was treated when he got fired, I was very upset. And I wanted McCarthy gone. I wanted him fired. In fact, I, I said like an hour before, I think on the podcast that day, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he doesn't make it. And sure enough, he got fired. It might have even been before that game. I said, if they lose, he's going to get fired. And he did. Anyways, it's not relevant. I just like to brag. But according to Mike McCarthy, basically after the game he got called down to Murphy's office. Murphy talked to him. I mean, it was literally, we're going to be going in a different direction, and that was it. That's BS. The guy has been there for a very long time. That's not how you handle that situation. I understand it's uncomfortable. I understand that you are a very, I mean, that's it's it's a cutthroat thing and all that, but you gotta find some level of tact in that. And, and Clay Matthews had a similar story to that. So I, I get that it's you don't really like that part. Of it, so I'll concede that there's probably a. uh, They're not the most genteel group in the NFL. They're pretty hardcore. They're pretty cutthroat. But one of the things that people keep saying is, when I ask them what what communication, because people just keep saying, "Well, that this is their fault for not communicating." Tell me what communication, and I'm saying that because obviously nobody knows what the communication issues are outside of a couple things. But even if they bring those things up, it's like that's so minor. That's not a reason to abandon the team. But anyway, the biggest answer that always comes back is they didn't call Aaron Rodgers about Jordan Love. Now, a couple things. Number one, we know for a fact that this has been an issue since before Jordan Love, so that's not really the thing. It also predates Brian Gutekunst, issues with Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy and all those kinds of things. So obviously, to pretend that if we would have called ahead of time, that would have fixed everything is a little bit silly. But also, just the fact of what exactly is it you're planning to say? What 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 should Brian Gutekunst have said that Aaron Rodgers picks up and he's like, wow, that changes. I'm so happy. Thank you for calling me. I'm, I love this organization and I will never leave. And as I was sitting here thinking about it, I thought, why don't I just ask? So I did. I said, why don't you guys call in, leave me a message on my phone as though I'm Aaron Rodgers and you're Brian Gutekunst, and you tell me how that conversation goes. Now, I'll be honest, I'm listening to them as I'm bringing them up, so I'm not sure what we're getting, but I am excited about this first call because it's kind of it's kind of on point. But we officially have audio of the call from we we have proof that Brian Gudekunst did call. Uh, we found Aaron Rodgers' phone and scoured his phone and found this this uh, message. But uh, I don't actually know the caller, but it is a Wisconsinite. And here we go.
2: Hi, Aaron. It's Brian. I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, we have just traded up in the draft and we are going to be selecting, uh, Justin Jefferson. What, uh, J- Jefferson was taken? Oh, M. sorry, sorry, uh, oh, my bad. Uh, I'd like to say we're going to be drafting Brandon
0: Ayuk. Alright, who's next on the list? Jo- Jordan?
1: Uh, Aaron, it
0: uh, looks like I'm coming across a tunnel. I We drafted Jordan Love.
1: I'm not gonna lie, I belly laughed with that one. But as you know, that was that was a fake phone call. Uh, the the real audio recording is uh, is right here, and we're gonna play it for you now.
2: Hey, twelve, how you doing, Scoot? Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, uh, yeah, busy day over here for us, uh, as you know. Uh, how's Danica? Oh, right, you broke up. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Life is, uh, it's, it's all about forging those, um, those new relationships. Uh, so,
1: uh, we're drafted a quarterback. Bye. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, it's funny cause it's kind of absurd. I mean, you could easily just, just as easily be making fun of Goot with this message as you could be talking about the absurdity of it by, you know, obviously he doesn't have very good communication and all that. But again, the point of the exercise is what the heck are you supposed to say to the guy? yeah you're gonna be nervous because you know he's gonna be mad which is exactly why it's so funny pretending that calling him is gonna make him not mad <laughs> but uh that call is fake here's the real one hey uh
0: erin uh, yeah so uh this is brian con uh just wanted to touch bases with you you know check in hope you're doing well hope things are going well uh matt just showed me uh, the new playbook you guys have been working on and uh I'll tell you, it's looking good. I think it's looking good. I think, you know, we look good to go in the season. Uh, even with all the COVID protocols, I think we'll have a, a good chance of having the season this year. So, uh, you know, I hope you get that nice bottle of scotch that I sent you. That's uh, good stuff there. I hope you enjoy drinking that. I'm really looking forward to making another run at this Super Bowl thing, you know, this next year. Heck, you did a heck of a job this past year coming in. All right, 13 and 3. Nobody expected that from us. I bet. I bet we, this way this all comes together, Aaron, we could even put together an MVP season for you. I have no doubt. So uh, I hope you have a, you know, a sweet weekend. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, just wanted to, you know, FYI, uh, I just want to let you know I'm looking to draft a new young quarterback and uh, just, you know, for insurance and down the road and stuff like that. So, you know, it's nothing for you to worry about. No big deal. Hey, enjoy the weekend. And uh, enjoy that scotch, man,
1: and I'll see you soon. It's so weird that everybody feels the need to beat around the bush at these, isn't it? Why are you beating around the bush? As long as you call, he won't be mad. Just tell him. He's a grown-up. He's super mature. Aaron Rodgers is the most mature, level-headed guy in the world. He couldn't hold a grudge if his life depended on it. He's, he can't spell grudge, and he's super smart. Just blocked out of his brain. He trained himself because he's so smart to forget how to spell grudge. Little known fact about uh, Mr. Aaron Charles Rogers. So I don't know why you guys are all beating around the bush. Just tell him and he will respect you as a man forever. Zero animosity, ver- zero anger, and in fact it will erase all his other anger that he's had for 15 freaking years. That just gets erased as soon as you call. So you guys are failing this test. Um, don't be scared. Simply tell him, and uh, we wouldn't be in this situation. It's the beating around the bush that's gonna get us all in trouble, so I'm hoping we got uh, three more to go. I'm hoping somebody can just man up tell him the truth' Because he can take it. he can totally take it right on the chin.
2: hey uh A, yeah, it's goody here. Uh, just wanted to uh, let you know we're trading up uh, to get a get another weapon for our team um, an offensive weapon. And, um, you know, you guys will be working closely together for uh, the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. At least uh, at least the next two years. Uh, And, uh, yeah, just really excited. Just wanted to let you know. um, Oh, it's uh, Jordan Love, the QB out of Utah State. Anyway, just give me a call back when you get this. Talk to you later.
1: I like the clever deception. At no point was there any lying. And to be honest, there wasn't even any chitty chat small talk. But let's be honest about what we're doing. We're still beating around the bush here. We got two left, and I'm sure somebody's just going to tell them because uh, why? why wouldn't you just, I don't know. I don't I don't get what everybody's worried about. What what's the worst that could happen if you just tell Rodgers that we drafted a quarter? But could you imagine if somebody said that in the actual room? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, yeah. Hey,
2: Aaron. Hey Aaron. It's uh
1: it's Big G. It's the, the BG,
2: Brad Guy. You know, your old buddy. So listen, hey, got of surprise. Didn't answer your phone, given what's going on right now. Um, so listen, we're on the clock, right? <clears throat> kind of wanted to get your blessing on this next pick, you know? Tried getting you Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk, and that didn't work. So kind of feel like it's just not meant to be, so... Thinking about drafting your replacement as a quarterback on the board. Uh some folks have a first round grade on him. I don't know how I feel about it really, but I don't know. Listen, we got about thirty seconds left on the clock, so give me a ring a ding. Let me know. If, uh I can proceed with this. Pretty please. I asked Mark Murphy and he told me I needed to get your permission. So we got uh twenty two seconds left. Give me a call. Thanks, buddy. Uh, hope you're doing well
1: love you first of all i hope you're getting as many belly laughs as i am but the thing that i like about this is kind of twofold and they're, they're both the same thing but it goes to just how ridiculous all this is first of all the fact that the gm needs to call and ask permission is kind of hilarious i've had this you can always tell when there's a new narrative popping up because something that i have not heard once in this past week of arguing with people suddenly i heard three times from different people and that is Look at the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They listened to their quarterback and they won Super Bowls. I had two different people say that almost verbatim to me within like an hour of each other. Nobody is calling up their quarterback and saying, hey, what do you think? And I know that that the coach is like, oh, yeah, we just let Tom Brady do whatever he wants and all that stuff, which, by the way, unprecedented. And beyond that, it's not literal. It's not literally anything he wants with anybody he wants as far as personnel and everything else. Input, Sure. And we got a GM that already said he would listen to input. But the idea that you call and ask for the blessing, which is kind of what people are hinting at, and if that's not what you mean, then what do you mean? If it's just I'm going to listen to you and then I'm going to ignore you and pick somebody else, then what are we talking about? But here's the other thing. The other interesting thing about that, and and it's quite well laid out in this obviously fake phone call, and that is the absurdity of calling to ask permission to draft a quarterback by the starting quarterback. Obviously, you're never going to get his blessing, but what if it's the right thing to do? Forget the fact of whether you think this was the right thing to do or not. Let's say it's not this year. Let's say it's two years from now, three years from now. And Aaron Rodgers is still here, and he wants some kind of an extension. Or he got an extension, but whatever. He's getting older, and we're getting to that point where now it's becoming reasonable. And let's say, hey, let's say, uh, you know, Rodgers got hurt real bad. And so we get the number one overall pick. You're telling me we got to call Rodgers and ask if we can get this elite dominant college quarterback with the first overall pick we need his blessing for that or can we tell him to go stick it you're a quarterback we do what we want you do your job and i'm gonna do mine how about that i don't know i i'm leaning one way but i you know i don't know I, i'm sure i could be swayed all right we got one more here
2: hey and it's Zach calling. uh goot wanted me to call him and i know we're trading up from 30 to 26 grab an offensive weapon for you he has a ton of upside He's an offensive weapon, and he's going to make us great in the next few years. I really hope you're going to love him.
1: Well, thank you guys very much for calling in. I had a lot of fun doing that. And again, it it was just for fun, but it really did kind of prove a point. And I, I understand some people that maybe don't agree would have called in and just made it a normal, boring phone call just to try to prove a point. But come on, does that not sound absurd to you? I know they're trying to be absurd. That's what's funny. But just seriously. I get the respect, but I, I get that, and Gutekunst has already acknowledged it, right? You do it out of respect, but don't pretend he wouldn't be mad. He would be mad. He'd still be mad. He'd still want off the team. That's not why we're in this position. It's not. It's absolutely not. But anyways, I do want to also apologize. A couple of you called uh, Goose, and maybe possibly one other person called to leave a message. Unfortunately, my, uh, my phone wasn't quite set up right, so the email was just, you know, got messed up, but I'll catch you next time. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? It took slightly longer than I was expecting, but um, got one other thing I wanted to go over, and then we'll uh, get out of here, and I get to go nighty-night. That'll be nice. But uh, I got a special thank you to Mr. Jake Berger. Thank you for very, very much for jumping in on the Patreon. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support this here podcast for just a dollar a month. If you do that, you can uh, catch all of these podcasts the night before they get published, and they are all ad-free. So please consider that. Otherwise, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: Go to your... Go to your happy price, Priceline.
1: All right, so Tyler Dunn is back. He's obviously going to milk this thing for all it's worth. Um, not as fiery of an uh, article this time around, but he did get to have a sit down with Mr. Ron Wolf to talk about uh, some stuff. So I more or less just wanted to go through some of his comments. And, and again, it, it doesn't change a lot of things. Everybody kind of has a different position on this. As far as what camp they're in, as far as how they like to proceed, as far as what they think is going on. You know, pick and choose. It's like a nice little salad bar. And I choose salad bar as opposed to buffet because it tastes bad when, you know, regardless of what you pick, it's going to taste like garbage. But I did think there were a couple nuggets here. And again, I, I think Ron Wolf makes some really good points, and they run very contrary. And of course, he has a biased opinion of this, but they run very contrary to a lot of narratives that I think are nonsense, Number one among them is the idea that the fact that the Packers don't have an owner means that this is some chaotic garbage place to to be, which is hilarious because, I mean, how many garbage owners are there strictly because they're owners? It's because they have no accountability. They're people with tons of money, and they get to do whatever they want. And even if they're bad at their job, what are they going to do, fire themselves? The idea that that would fix things, and I've heard people, even people that I respect, like, uh, what's his name, Michael Lombardi, who has said a couple things recently that I think are just absolutely absurd. And I'm kind of, he's gone down a couple pegs, but he he couldn't even really defend. I think the other thing was his, uh, it's going to be Mac Jones to the 49ers. He did say maybe Trey Lance, but, yeah. and he was super condescending about it. So, but I heard him talk about that. and It's like, what are you talking about? Why would that make it better? Because Rogers gets to go behind everybody's back and tattle. And then the owner would come around and fire the GM because he has that authority to fix things, which I think is what a lot of people want. Some people are just, they're just like, who cares about a GM? If there was an owner here, you could just fire everybody in in order to appease Aaron Rodgers. And obviously that's the most important thing. And I think that whole thing is ridiculous. And if that's not what you mean, then I don't know what, what is the owner going to do? It's a person in position of power that makes decisions. It's the same thing. Unless we're talking about drastic, unrealistic, suicidal, nonsensical decisions, everything an owner can do, Mark Murphy can do and Brian Gutekunst can do, and all these guys can do. They have to decide what's best for the team. I prefer the Packers' structure because there's a little bit more accountability than what you get, for example, in Washington, or Detroit, or Cincinnati, where you just have people with piles of money that don't know what they're doing just making really dumb decisions. Because who cares? It's like a side hobby. But the article kind of starts off to say, look... The way that the Packers do business is the way that was not not going to say they've always done business, but it really did start with a foundation built by Ron Wolf. And what Ron Wolf did was incredible. And and really, it's not just that he did a good job and it sustained itself for thirty years. It's the fact that this is a a, a market that is not viable. The Packers shouldn't exist. There shouldn't be a Green Bay Packers. It's not just that you have to be good; it's that you have to be better than everybody else. And he found a way to make it work. So the first part I'm going to read here. This is via Ron Wolf. He says it's a fairy tale story, talking about his his beginnings, but he kind of goes on from there. No question about that. I feel very fortunate to have had an opportunity to be there, number one. Number two, I was able to surround myself with some highly intelligent individuals. Having Mike Holmgren as a head coach certainly helps. That seems to have carried over. When I left, Mark, Mike Sherman took over. He couldn't do it, so Ted Thompson came in and did a heck of a job. He kept the ball rolling. Let's face it, there isn't a better operation or a better organization to be a part of than the Green Bay Packers. I say that because of the tradition involved. It starts right there at Lambeau Field. You walk in, you see those magical names up there surrounding the field, and the fact that the Super Bowl winner gets the Lombardi Trophy. I mean, it's all part of this wonderful franchise, and I'm glad we were able to bring it back to life. Now he goes on to elaborate the specifics of that a bit. But it's again, it's not just this this silly, you know, Gutekunst is just winging it. This is one of the most foundational franchise. It's not just hi- historic. When you go back and you say, "How how do football? What it what is a football team? How do you run a football team? What is the 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 core? If you want to go back to the roots and do things the right way, you go and study under guys like Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson, and and handpicked by Ted Thompson to carry on this long standing tradition was Brian Gutekunst. Now, as I said in an argument with somebody earlier today, listen, he might not be the best counselor or kindergarten teacher but he is a freaking good gm and of his job on the list of most important things to do catering to aaron Rodgers' feelings is way down the list now apparently they need to, to try to modernize and and figure out how to cater to people with fragile egos but at the end of the day i don't care would you rather have elliot wolf in here the guy that you know is struggling to even keep keep a job not trying to be disrespectful but he didn't get the job and for good reason. But let's just say Elliot Wolf could cater to he he can't draft and he can't really evaluate talent anywhere near as good as Brian Gutekunst can. He can't lead, he can't build a team. He can't do any of these GM things as well. But he's a real good people person. Would you take him? No, I doubt that he is. I mean, he's 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 Elliot Wolf. He he's in that same tradition. I'm sure he has the same kind of mentality. But again, would you? I wouldn't. Article goes on to say, um, in a recent interview, Brett Favre said Wolf would have kicked him to the curb if he asked Wolf for input on the draft pick, talking about Aaron Rodgers, obviously. And again, that's just the mentality, and and that's how it should be. I'm sorry, listen, that's I I don't I don't understand the idea of we have to modernize. Well, you you have to cater to. It's a different era, man. You got to cater to these different this different breed of of superstars that want more. No. If I want a superstar, I got to let him make my picks for me. I got to let him dictate who we bring in in free agency. That's ludicrous. Let's just say, for example, Gordon Ramsay's running a restaurant and he's putting together a team and he's got this real, real, real high quality, I mean, literally the best bartender on the planet. And he got him committed. And that bartender is coming to his restaurant to be the, the head bartender. It's a huge thing. And he's paying him tons of money and he really wants him to be there. And he's doing a great job but the bartender says, "You know what? I'm not happy. I want to start making pizzas too. It's a it's an Italian thing. I don't know. Don't worry about it." And Gordon Ramsay's like, "I don't know, man. We got a guy back there that's like a legit pizzaiolo, right? The guy's been doing this since he was 4 years old in uh Naples, Italy. He grew up with this. It's in his blood. He knows, you know, to to the, to the gram how much flour, how much salt, how much basil, how much mozzarella." you're a bartender. You're real good at it, but you're not going to make pizzas. I'm sorry. Aaron Rodgers is not a GM. And, and, and the fact that we demean that position as though any old guy can do it. Like, of course, Aaron Rodgers can do it. I mean, he's been playing football for a long time. He, he knows like guys that are good at stuff. No, this is a craft that very few people on this planet can do what Brian Gutekunst does, to have that level of talent to be a GM and to be demeaned in such a way that he has to bend over to a quarterback? Get out of my face. So yeah, when Brett Favre says Ron Wolf would have kicked him to the curb if if Brett Favre went to him and said, hey, I want some input on draft picks, I believe it, and that would be the right decision, not, not necessarily firing a guy. But as politely as you can, say, get out of my office now and don't ever talk to me again, that's what you got to convey to them. Are you out of your mind? I want more input on personnel. Tell you what, let's trade salaries. I'll take the $30 million. You can have my you know, $3 million salary or whatever Brian Gutekunst is making, and you can step in here and you get to pick the players. This shouldn't even be a conversation. And, and, and again, the, the problem is bigger because what we're talking about is a structurally sound operation. From the foundation up, this thing is built on a firm foundation and it works when you work it, right? Sort of the AA thing. It works when you work it. I think they say that. I don't know. Sounds familiar. You can't just go in there and dilute it and and tear this thing down and rebuild it on the whim of a quarterback just to appease him because the whole thing crumbles down to the ground. And again, input is fine. He's not a dummy, right? The, the, The head coach... I I would, if I was the GM, I would incorporate Aaron Rodgers in a similar way that I incorporate defensive coordinators and everybody else. I want as, as much input on this team as I can possibly get, but I need to know what it is that, that is working and what is not working and, and how we can fix that. And really, the, the head coach and the quarterback should be giving similar information, right? We try to run these plays and they don't work because this guy can't do this. All right, awesome. What else? But when it comes draft day, I don't talk to you and you don't talk to me. I've got all the information I need so that I can tweak my board. And now what I have is my board. And now I work my board on draft day. And I'm very busy. I got people working phones, trying to move up, trying to move back, working values, all this kind of stuff. I am not on taking your phone call. I'm busy working, doing my job article goes on to say, clearly Rodgers believes he deserves a say in personnel, granting any player pseudo-GM status would, of course, effectively kill that Packer way, which is a book that uh, was written by Ron Wolf, and lead to all sorts of long-term problems. But nonetheless, most voices on the national airwaves right now agree that this quarterback deserves such power. That's because they are shock jocks and shallow thinkers. It's such a shallow way of thinking to think that we should tear down this foundation that has stood for 30 years. Because a quarterback has decided so. Another way to put that analogy is it's like the, the interior designer doesn't like this, the way that the house is built and wants to start having a say as far as how we start building going forward when we build houses, the actual structure, how we lay the foundation. No, 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 I'm sorry. You don't do that. I do that. You decorate the inside. I build the houses. You know nothing about how to build a house. I'm sure you know more than the average person, because you work with houses all the time, you have some idea of structural integrity and how whatever, you know, you know what a stud is, but I'm sorry, you're not going to have any say in how we frame a house. So here is a kind of a long quote, several uh, paragraphs here from Ron Wolfe, but I'm just going to read it. He says, first of all, he said, he admitted that it would be extremely difficult to run a team in, in today's professional climate, because you do have to find that balance of, absolutely not, you're not going to run my team for me. However we're going to get in a lot of trouble with that kind of attitude. But anyways, he says, quote, You have this guy, Russell Wilson, in Seattle who wants to be an owner, a coach, a scout, and he's hired to play quarterback. He's telling them who to draft and all that. That's just what you said about Brett said. He's hired to do one thing. He's hired to win football games and play quarterback and is paid very well. And he's a very good player. He's top five, certainly, in the game. Now, I'm not really sure what's the deal with Rodgers. What is upsetting him? In my opinion, you can't be in a better place... Everything there is geared toward the player. Everything they do is about the player. That's the greatness of the franchise. Again, it's deeper than just picking players. The foundation of what is built in Green Bay is deeper than that. There's a foundational philosophy. That was me interjecting back to now what Ron Wolf said. That's the greatness of the franchise. To me, that's why it's been so successful. It's about playing football, and that's it. It's not about any other thing. It's not about going to some owner's wife's tea party. This affair or that affair. It's about playing football and being a professional football player. That's all it is. That's really the greatness of the Packers. You can't top that anywhere. I don't understand why guys don't want to get better. And he kind of goes out. Uh, this this is kind of taking a shot at people who choose to not show up for practice and whatnot, which again I understand. He says you can't top that anywhere. I don't understand why these guys don't want to get better. Why don't they want to come in um and have OTA camps? Don't you want to get better? Don't you want to increase your salary impact? You have this God-given gift. Take advantage of it. Make yourself better. But today, that's not the case. That just befuddles me, and I don't understand it. And again, that's what I was talking about. These guys, it's... You know, we act like they're victims. These are massively paid individuals who want to spend as much time as they can trying to do as little work as possible. And they want to have as secure a job as they possibly can with putting the minimal amount of effort in. Well, if, if I don't go to OTAs and they go to OTAs, then they get better and I don't. So we need to band together... And, and have nobody go. And again, this is the same with the, the, these contract negotiations. The young guys want to come in and go to OTAs. But the, the veterans who get all this money, they want to pressure the young guys to not go. And so we get these big statements where they all bandic. We as a team will not be going. And of course, it's just the big wigs and, and the guys throwing their weight around. They won that battle. The young guys need that time. 100% they need it. It's the same with this rule about you got to stay away and you can't really be in contact with your coach and all that stuff during the off. Why? Well, because it's not fair. Because if I want to spend my time gallivanting around going to Disney World or hanging out with the Dalai Lama or whatever it is I feel like doing, and you got Joe Schmo over there, Tom Brady, who really likes to work hard, if he's able to go back and work with the coach, he's going to be better than me, and that's not fair, so nobody should be allowed to go back. Come on. It's absurd. But that's what you have a union for. We band together to get you as much as possible for as little as possible. We're just looking out for you. And why wouldn't you take, I mean, I would take that if, if, if I had a union that came in there like, look, here's what we're working on. 40 hours, scrap that 25 max, but pay raise and a little bit more vacation time. What do you, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm, I, no, I'm not going to stand up and be like, that's outrageous. I'm not doing that. Now, if I thought it would bankrupt the company or whatever, maybe, but point is I would be happy with that. So I understand where they're coming from as far as being willing to take it. I don't understand demanding it and acting as though you're some kind of a victim and you need these things. Grow up. Anyways, that's kind of an aside. But, I mean, Wolf brought it up. I'm just just talking about it. He then goes on to talk about the pick, uh, giving a background as to why the Jordan Love pick was the not necessarily the right pick, but an important pick. And how, you know, this is not anti-Rodgers. This is just a part of... What makes a great franchise a great franchise? He says, quote, that's going to define me, talking obviously about Brett Favre. The guy was a second round pick, and the first thing you do is you give up a first for the guy. I was very fortunate it worked out for me but I believed in the guy. To me, the one position you better have a handle on in your operation is quarterback. You better protect yourself there, and that's something when I was there, we always did. We always protected ourselves. So Thompson picked that up. Obviously, Brian Gutekunst has picked that up with love. Obviously, they felt he was worthy to be the number two guy eventually, and then follow Aaron Rodgers. I would have to bow to that. I see no reason not to believe that. Again, this is not some crazy thing. This is not anti-Rodgers. We're just trying to attack him. We're trying to force him out. It's a basic tenet of what they do in Green Bay. Protect yourself at the quarterback position. If we ever find ourselves without a quarterback, if things start to deteriorate and Rodgers has to go and we don't have a quarterback, we're done. He goes on to say you have to protect your operation, your organization. And if you have a guy who you think is that good and you're willing to take him in the first round, you better take him regardless of the position. And there isn't a better pos- uh, person to take that person at the pos- at the position to protect your football team. What I've read is they're really upset because the Packers didn't take a wide receiver. I mean, they look like they're doing okay at wide receiver, right? I mean, it's, just, it's funny because at the beginning of this article, they were like, look, he really doesn't keep up on all these things as much as you would think. He's down in Florida. He's kind of just doing his own thing. But, I mean, he's just a guy paying – just saying obvious things that apparently guys who are studying this 24-7 can't pick up on. Like, I don't know. They said something about, you know, they're mad because they picked a quarterback. But, I mean, we've always done that, and it's obviously the most important position. So I don't know why you would be mad about that. Apparently people want wide receiver, but kind of seems like they're good at wide receiver. Like, he's just – he's, like, confused. Like, why are people mad? And it's like, I don't know, Ron. I don't know. (laughs) He goes on again to to go back to the the, how great of an organization he thinks it is. He says, quote, I mean, these guys want to go somewhere else, and I bet they're shocked when they go other places to see what they're giving up when they leave the Packers. That whole building is designed to benefit the player, and they're not asked to do anything but play football. To me, that's a very important thing. I don't know anything about this new regime, but I assume that hasn't changed. That in itself is enough right there. They're asking these guys to go be representative, be professional football players, and play football. That's it. Everything else is taken care of. And again, that, that's the delineation of power. I'm not asking you to do anything else. And they are, in a lot of ways, in a lot of respects, a very laid-back organization. They obviously let Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wants, and they're fine with that. But it's a, it's a, it needs to be a two-way street. We're not going to put a lot of heat on you, Rodgers. You want to go live your life your way, you go live your life your way. All we ask is that when you show up, you show up ready, and you play, and you play well, and he does that, and they're fine. The problem is Rodgers isn't willing to let them live and let live, right? It's not a two-way street. We leave you alone as long as you're doing your job. But you don't want to leave me alone as long as I'm doing my job. you got to put your nose in my business. That's not how that works. We take care of you. We're going to take care of this organization. We're going to take care of the salary cap. We're going to take care of the future roster, the current roster, all that stuff. We're taking care of it as evidenced by 30 years of success and a strong roster moving into the future. Lots of young talent here. We're taking care of it. Just go play football. He can't just go play football. It is what it is. Anyways, uh, again, somewhat interesting there, and 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 you know, again, Ron Wolf just has his opinions, but I do think it's important to highlight. We, we're we're just too flippant with this. We're too flippant with the idea that it's no big deal. It's just a GM. It's no big deal. It's just running a football team, like it, you know, whatever. How hard could it be? Like whatever, just make some picks. There is a core philosophy that that undergirds everything, and you can't just undo everything. For the sake of of appeasing a quarterback. I'm sorry. That's not how this works. You got a job to do and it's to be a quarterback and that's it. Otherwise, go enjoy your life. He's got other business ventures. He's got other uh, commercial endeavors. Like literal TV commercials. He's got philanthropic endeavors. He's getting married. He's paid incredibly handsomely and the Packers have paid him top dollar numerous times now. Once just two years ago, they made him the top paid quarterback in football. They pay him very well to just be a quarterback, and that's it. And the only thing they ask is to not butt in and not bother us as we build for the future. They drafted a quarterback, it made him mad, and they've done nothing ever since then but commit to Aaron Rodgers and tell him over and over again, we're not trading him, he's our guy, we're not moving on, we've always done things like that here in Green Bay, we always just pick the best available player, and there's no more important position than quarterback, it's not a threat, just keep playing and playing well, and you'll be fine. That's been their consistent message since day one. They just want to be able to do their job and not be harassed and and with, with all this nonsense and threatened of, I'm going to quit, I'm going to retire if I don't get this or that or the other thing. I'm sorry, I'm not playing those games, dude. I'm the GM, you're the quarterback, that's it. And if you want to go ahead and leave me a phone message about how they could have fixed all this with a couple phone calls or with, show me your communication skills. I'd love to hear them. I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I'm mad you drafted a quarterback. Tell me something that's going to make me happy. Maybe throw in a little bit about Kumaro while you're at it. Anyways, so much for a short episode. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Um, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.